If you are surprised to see me up here, I want you to know that that is okay. I can almost guarantee you that you are not as surprised as I am. <laughs> you may be wondering how I got here today, and so I would like to try to answer that for you while also challenging and encouraging us all to say yes to God in some way. When Pastor Steve first approached me with this idea, my husband Tim and I were sitting in his office and he was talking about the rise of the laity, right? You've heard him just mention this. Laity or a lay person is somebody, like he said, that's not an ordained minister or pastor on staff. So I am a lay person, many of you are as well. And this rise of the laity is giving us a chance to use the gifts God has given us to serve in our church, in our community. It's something that I'm completely on board with, 100%. So he had me hooked. Then he transitioned into his request for me to share on a Sunday morning in service up here about how God has been speaking to me in my time in the Word. I remember him saying, don't freak out. And I don't think I did. I think I was quiet, which is a little bit unusual, but I don't think I freaked out. But I wasn't sure how to respond. And so I said I would pray about it because that seems like the right answer you give when your pastor asks you to do something. And I did pray about it, and I asked some close friends and family to help me pray about it. And as I did, I felt this peace that God was leading me to say yes, but I was still hesitant. So I continued to pray. About another week went by, and it dawned on me that I was waiting to say yes until I had some idea of what I would say. Sure, God, I'll say yes as soon as you let me know that I'll have something to share. As soon as I know that this could possibly work out, because I wasn't quite sure if it could. <laughs> but I didn't want to do it that way. So with a little bit of fear and trembling, or a whole lot of fear and trembling, I said yes without a plan, very untracy like I wanted to trust that if God was calling me to do this, that he would equip me and give me something to share in his time. This was on him, not on me. I just needed to say yes. And as I prayed, I remembered other times in my life that I had said yes and how he had given me in those moments exactly what I needed. One time in particular that came to mind happened in that pew right over there. And I would like to share that story with you in a little bit. Interestingly enough, the words that he was giving me in that process were the words that he led me to share with us all this morning. I was a stay-at-home mom for about 16 years until I took a part-time job at our local schools. And one of my favorite things to do with my kids was to read them stories or tell them stories. And one story in particular that was told often in our house was David and Goliath, especially to our youngest son, Lincoln. It was one of his favorites. Tim and I would take turns putting our kids to bed, and so about every other night for months or more, I found myself telling Lincoln the story of David and Goliath. Until one night, I finished telling the story, well, I thought I finished telling the story, and Lincoln said, hey, tell the part about where David uses Goliath's sword to cut off his head. Lincoln was about three or four years old at this time, and apparently Tim had told him a little bit more of the story the night before, and I was never allowed to leave that part off again. It's worth noting here, in case you didn't know or didn't recognize him, that the David in our scripture video was our youngest son, Lincoln. 
It was recorded a few years ago. He's changed just a little bit, um, but it's one of my favorites. This past year, uh, as I've spent time in the Old Testament, God has shown me so many things through the stories of his people in these books of the Bible, especially in the life of David. Maybe because he's mentioned so often, or maybe because he's relatable to me in his struggles, in his victories, and he had them both, in his desire to seek and to know God's heart. There have been a few times where God has taught me something new through this familiar story of David and Goliath, and as I was preparing for today, he used that again. <clears throat> Usually when we read the story of David and Goliath, we relate it to a battle in our life, right? Something that we are up against, and we're trusting God to win this battle. This morning, I'd like to look at it from a slightly different angle. I would like to look at it from David's perspective, just an ordinary shepherd boy going about his day, trusting God that whatever comes his way, God will give him what he needs. In 1 Samuel 17, we have the Israelite army facing the Philistines. David's brothers are a part of the Israelite army, and this, the Philistines have this giant named Goliath. The Goliath, or the giant, comes out every day for 40 days, morning and night, taunting the Israelites. We just saw this played so well by our, by our very own Jeff Clark. And I will say that I did not pick this passage so that we could play this video, but I was really happy when I remembered we had it because it is one of my favorites. Well, David's dad, Jesse, sends David out to check on his brothers. We know David's the youngest, so instead of fighting with the Israelites, he stayed back to help his dad and care for the sheep. David goes out to check on his brothers, take them some snacks, see how they're doing, and report back. And when he gets there, the Israelites are getting ready to head out to battlefield, and he goes with them. This is when he sees Goliath come out with his usual taunts, challenging someone to fight him, and the Israelites backing away in fear. David starts questioning what's happening, and when Saul hears about his questions, he sends for David, and that's when David, an ordinary shepherd boy, volunteers to fight Goliath. At this point, I really wish that we could get a glimpse into the mind of David. How does he go from caring for his father's sheep to volunteering to fight a giant, a mouthy giant at that? It seems like quite a leap to me, but that's what he does. In verse 32, David tells Saul, don't worry about that Philistine, I'll fight him. Like this is just some ordinary part of the day. Like, sure, I'll take the garbage out, I'll do the dishes, no problem. Does he really believe that he can do this? What is he thinking? I want to suggest that maybe David's thinking is a process that I have found myself going through at different times in my life, including recently. It's what brought me here this morning. And I've also heard it in the stories of many of you and others as they share about how they have said yes to God. This process, I think, has three points. Remember? trust, and say yes. When we look back and remember how God has been with us in the past, we can trust him right now that he is giving us exactly what we need and we can say yes. Even if we don't know the outcome or the plan, even if we feel like we don't have enough of something, time, talent, experience, patience, influence, even if it's very unlike us, 
Throughout the Bible, God calls his people to remember. As I've spent time in the Old Testament, I found myself writing down this word remember over and over in the margins of my Bible. It's a consistent theme. The Lord says, remember how I brought you out of Egypt. Remember my mighty works. Remember the Sabbath. Tell these things to your children. Why is this so important? Well, forgetting is easy. I do it often. I might do it up here this morning, but I really hope not. Remembering is intentional. The purpose of God calling us to remember is not just so we can tell a good story or remember something from the past. It's also for what it can do for us and others in the present. When David volunteers to fight Goliath, Saul questions his willingness and reminds him that he's just a boy. David's response is to remember and tell him a story of how God has been with him in the past. This is not about who David is. This is about who God is. David remembers and tells Saul about times when a lion or a bear would come and snatch a sheep from his flock. In verse 37, he tells Saul, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion or the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He's saying that the same God that gave me in those moments what I needed will give me exactly what I need right now. This isn't just a good time for a story. This is a good time to remember, trust, and say yes again. When we look back and remember, it's not even that life was easy or without struggles. It's that God was with us. David says there were times when those lions or bears would turn on him, and he would have to grab it by the jaw and club it to death. I bet Tim told our kids that part of the story also. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been easier if God would have just opened the jaws of the lion or the bear and laid the little lamb unharmed at David's feet? That's not what happened. But God gave David the victory. He was with him. And he gave him another story in his life to look back on and remember that God was with him. And I believe that because of that and other times like it, that David is able to say yes to fighting a giant and yes to a whole lot of other things that were coming down the pike. After David remembers how God was with him in the past, he trusts him in the present. He steps forward to take on Goliath, whose bronze coat probably weighed more than he did. And when Saul tries to give him his own personal armor to wear, David declines. His trust is not in what man can do for him. He's not looking around to see what others have and thinking that he might need that too. He trusts that what he has is enough because God will work through it. God has before. And what he has are five small, smooth stones. That does not feel like enough to me. Can you relate? You know God is calling you to do something, but what you have does not feel like enough. We want to believe that God will provide, but sometimes we look down at these five small, smooth stones. And if you're like me, you might start looking for a little bit more. More stones, rocks even. How about something with a jagged edge? <laughs> small and smooth just doesn't seem like it will cut it when you're trying to fight a, fight a giant. 
Too often we look around to see what others have, and we feel like we don't have enough compared to them. This is something that I have struggled with. It takes faith and trust to say yes when you feel like you don't have enough. I said yes to preaching at College Wesleyan Church, but I did not finish college. That feels like I am holding a very small, very smooth stone. It feels like not enough. But while I value education and the way that God uses it to help us grow, I know that He can speak to me and through me without it. He can give me exactly what I need in this moment, and for that I am so thankful. I have enough because He is enough. I can say yes because He has promised me that He will provide all that I need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. And in 2 Corinthians 9.8, Paul tells us that God is able to bless us abundantly so that in all times, in all things, having all that we need, we can abound in every good work. In Psalm 23, David tells us, the Lord is our shepherd. In him, we have all that we need. In him, we lack nothing. The only reason I could say yes to this today is because of those promises and others like it, and for the way that I've seen them fulfilled in my life and in the lives of those around me, many of you. This is not based on who I am. It's based on the spirit that Pastor Steve preached about last week, the spirit that is alive and at work in me, guiding and helping me. And if this is true for me, it's true for all of us. Well, we know how this ends for David. We saw it in the video. That smooth, small stone is enough. David slung it, hit Goliath in the forehead, and Goliath fell. What if, like David, when faced with something, a decision, a situation, an interruption, what if we can look back and remember how God was with us in the past, trust in the moment that he'll give us exactly what we need, and say yes? What if the more we do this, the easier and more natural it becomes so that walking in step with the Spirit, like we heard about last week, we can live this life of yes. It might look different for each of us, but the common idea is living a life surrendered to God. It's living a life that's sometimes countercultural in the way that we give of ourselves, of our time, and of our resources. Paul calls this a living sacrifice in Romans 12. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. That's that countercultural part, right? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We can know what God has for us. This is a different way of thinking, a different way of living our lives. This morning we're remembering one part of David's story. But I think that if you look back in the Old Testament and read about his life, that this is a way that he tried to live. Whether he was in the field with the sheep or fighting in battle, it says that God was with him. 
when he was on the run from a king that wanted to kill him, or hiding in a cave, or planning and gathering supplies for a temple that he would never build. He was listening for God's voice and discerning when to wait and when to act. When he sinned, and he did, he sought forgiveness and reconciliation with God. When I read David's story, I read of an intimate relationship with God. Think of this power of saying yes. We can say yes to an interruption, to an interception, and to an invitation. Let me tell you what I mean. When you say yes to your interruptions, you are just going about your day. Maybe you're taking snacks to your brother and out comes this giant that somebody needs to fight. It doesn't come at the most convenient times, and we know it's not always as big as a giant. For some of us, this interruption might be stopping to have a conversation with somebody when you have a lot on your mind. You'll battle a long to-do list or maybe fight the impulse to say something that you want to say when God's calling you just to be present and listen. Maybe our response to an interruption is to overlook an offense so that whenever possible, we can live at peace with one another. It might be to be still and let God defend you or to step forward and defend somebody else. Maybe it's stopping in your day when God brings someone to mind and saying a prayer for them or sending them a quick message. It might be taking care of something that really needs to be done that you think someone else should probably do. <laughs> it's probably saying yes when you really want to say no, even when it feels like an interruption. Romans 12 in the Message Bible says it like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. It's saying yes to the ordinary moments of the day while maybe saying no to things that are not from God. We can also say yes to an interception. Interceptions prevent us from continuing to our goal. We're headed in a certain direction, things are going well, and something intercepts us. We didn't see it coming, and we surely didn't ask for it. In football, this means that someone else took control of the ball and now they're heading in a different direction. You were playing offense, and now you're playing defense. And that is the end of my football analogy because that's all I know about interceptions. <laughs> Maybe for you, it's a health interception. An unexpected medical diagnosis has you wondering how things are gonna turn out. Maybe it's the loss of a job or a relationship. Maybe it's that phone call that nobody asks for, nobody sees it coming, that a loved one is sick or has been in an accident. Maybe someone in your life has betrayed you. Interceptions leave us feeling like we don't have much of a choice. So how do you say yes in these situations? What are we even saying yes to? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. What if saying yes is saying, God, I trust you to bring good from this, good that I cannot see right now, and instead of fighting it, complaining about it, or even trying to control it, 
that's me. I'm going to lean into what you want to do through it. I will look back and remember how you've been with me in the past, and I will trust that you are with me now, and I will say yes to this. It's a life of surrender. The other yes that comes our way is maybe not as obvious at first. It might start with a subtle stirring in your soul that God is up to something, but you're not exactly sure what. It's the yes of an invitation. I have experienced these in both big and small ways, as many of you have, and one that I mentioned earlier happened in that pew right there. I'd felt a sense of God doing something in my life and in the life of my family, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. To be honest, it was a very busy time in our life, and I wasn't really looking to add anything else. But I kept sensing that God was asking me to open up my family to something. This is an area that God has grown me in tremendously. While I have tried to live an open-handed life to whatever God had for me, I kept a pretty tight grip on my kids and my family. In years prior to this, God had started releasing that grip, reminding me that, of course, they were better off in His hands than they were in mine. So at this point, it wasn't really that I was trying to keep God from using my family. It was just that I was tired. I didn't think I could do anything else. These feelings didn't go away. And I continued to pray. And I also reminded God that this just wasn't the best time. But I prayed about opening our home to others through foster care, through safe families, through adoption. I knew that this was where God was leading me. But without much clarity, I wasn't really saying yes. Until one Sunday, sitting in that pew, Pastor Steve preached a message that I really couldn't even tell you what it was about at this point. But at the end, he said, if God is leading you to say yes to something, just do it. Say yes. When I look back and remember this story, it feels like he had done that little crouch down move and was staring right at me. I don't think that's how it really happened, but that's how intense it felt to me that this was a word from the Lord. And as I took a breath to remind God, oh, I can't do this, remember, not a good time. He said something in my soul that I will never forget, and I think about it often. I heard, you can't do this, but I can. Quit trying to do it all in your own strength. I was reminded again in that moment that if God was calling us to something, that He would give me exactly what I needed. And so I said yes, my family said yes, and we kept saying yes until several years later it was made clear what God was leading us to all along. And we traveled to Ethiopia and we adopted our son Abdi. This yes took time, way more time than we would have liked, actually. It was a time of waiting on God and trusting that He was at work in the process. We just had to keep saying yes. But it's now another story in my life that I can look back on and remember how God was with us. Maybe God is inviting you to a job change, a move. Maybe He's asking you to make a change in a relationship. He might be inviting you to take a step back so that someone else can take the lead. Maybe he's asking you to open up your home or your family to someone or something. 
It might be time to start something new. Get involved in your local church and in your community. Go connect with Roger after service and get involved in Kinwell Academy or volunteer for Kids Hope and hang out with some really awesome kids in our local schools. What is he inviting you into? And what will you and others miss out on if you don't say yes? Is there something that's been on your mind or in your heart that you feel like this morning God is leading you to say yes? Have you been praying about it? And it's time to say yes without much clarity or even a guarantee of the outcome. The outcome's not up to us. Maybe you've tried and you feel like you failed. Is it time to try again? Maybe you feel like you don't have enough of something. Is it time to trust God and say yes? Maybe you want to live this kind of life. Maybe you want to take on this posture of living a life of sacrifice, of saying yes to God, whatever comes your way, knowing that he can use it for your good and for his glory. This sounds like such a simple idea. Of course we're going to say yes to God. But how many times in our day do we miss this opportunity? In a moment, I'll invite you to take a few minutes of quiet reflection as we wrap up. Maybe you would like to think back on your life and look for the ways that God was with you even when it was hard. And through that lens, you can respond to something that he is prompting you towards now. A yes to a relationship with him. A yes to an interrupted, intercepted, invited life. As we transition into this time, I'm aware that for some of us, looking back can be hard. It can be difficult to look back in some situations and see how God was with us. The beauty of the body of Christ is that we can lean on each other's stories and allow God to build our faith as we hear others share. And so with that in mind, I would like to invite a few friends to come up and share part of their story. These are brothers and sisters that are striving to live this life of yes. The yes of an interruption, the yes of an interception, and the yes of an invitation. My interruption happened in my career as a nurse. I had the privilege of caring for a young woman with stage three ovarian cancer. And she came into the emergency room one night after having chemo and surgery and needed to be admitted again for an infection. She was trying to keep a positive attitude, but I could tell she was worn really thin from her illness. And as we chatted, I asked her, what would you have been doing if you hadn't been admitted to the hospital tonight? And she said, I was going to go to the county fair because all I've really been wanting is one of those big pork tenderloin sandwiches. That's really the only thing that sounded good to me. Um, so I finished up her admission and she was moved to her next room and I headed to the cafeteria for lunch. And as I was walking there, I was holding her story and feeling the weight of what was happening for her and wishing I could do more. And when I walked into the cafeteria, the first thing I saw was that they were serving those big pork tenderloin sandwiches, like what you get from the fair. And I knew in that moment that God was asking me to do something. Um, 
And I ignored that nudge for a few minutes because I was like, this is, maybe she's going to think this is weird. I don't know. I've got things to do. All the things that come to your mind about afraid of what someone else might think. Um, And I eventually said yes. And so I walked up to her room. And when I walked in, I gave her the sandwich and said, you wouldn't believe what the cafeteria had tonight. They had your sandwich. And she was surprised and she started to tear up. And I told her, I said, I hope this makes being in the hospital a little better. I have never seen that patient again. I don't know what happened to her, but I trust that God allowed that to happen so that he could communicate to her that she was seen in that day. I want you to imagine a little with me. Imagine you had to walk away from your home because the eighth flood in a year was just too much. Okay, God, yes. Imagine you, live, you end up living with your husband and his family after being separated for five years, hoping that maybe this time the relationship would work only to leave because of violence. Okay, God, yes. Imagine you had to move over 700 miles to start fresh with just two suitcases and two duffel bags, leaving all your stuff behind. Okay, God, yes. When you finally start to get things back on track, you start a new job, you start saving for the house, your child settles in, you get the diagnosis of cancer. Okay, God, yes. It's not a diagnosis to physical death, but it's the death of the hope of having other children. Okay, God, yes. Yes, even though these are my ambitions, my plans, my wishes, at my feet in ashes lay. And though that's a part of my story, the biggest part is seeing God in the midst. A God who draws me closer to him. A God who brought me to a family and a church home where there is love, and it builds me up and restores me. It's a God who shows me in scripture over and over again that he is a promise-keeping God, and he's made some promises to me. And though I haven't seen those promises fulfilled, I trust him and I say yes. Ours was an invitation of yes for a uh, career change. Um, And it actually started about 37 years ago. Um, My husband, Kim, was searching for and then began a new direction for a career. And neither of us had ever lived more than five miles from our parents, from a very small community. Um, He was working, my husband was working full-time and going to IPFW part-time. We then needed to move to Bloomington um, to finish up his degree, to do it full-time. Our friends and family thought that we were crazy at the time. We didn't have um, a job, um, any health insurance or anything like that. All we knew was where we were going to be living, which was in family housing. 
So we sold our belongings and our trailer, and we packed up our kids, and we moved. But there was a peace there. It was knowing that if he was leading us, that he would provide for everything that we needed. This was not without hard times and struggles, but he always provided, always. And he got us through it. And it was then that he became real to us. He wasn't our parents' God anymore. He was ours. And he gave me my uh, verse that is very, very dear to me. And um, I, you guys know it, but it's Isaiah 41.10 that says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you, and I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Remembering back on things of your life, uh, some have said it's history, and we uh, history holds a lot of things that we learn, and we learn a lot of times on not on how not to do things, and uh, whether it be by my mistakes, uh, whether it be my failures of trying, or whether it be seeing the failures of others, uh, it was a it's a huge learning tool. But also a learning tool was seeing that God is those. It's been 34 years since Lynette was talking about that uh, many things came our way that God just proved over and over and over. Just I got this. Just depend on me. So when we got to the end of our careers in Syracuse, Indiana, uh, 34 some years ago, um, <clears throat> it was it was like. Um, the restlessness, there was a movement uh, within our soul, that a stirring that uh, uh, we just needed to, to move. Uh, of course, our, our son and daughter-in-law live in, in Muncie, so uh, we were looking to move a little bit farther south. And, but yet, uh, we were established. We had a, a church, we had friends, we had family members, and they all thought we were nuts, not only back when we moved to Bloomington, but again, they thought we were nuts again 34 years later, leaving all the established things to start over. Uh, so we were willing to move and, and, and take one step at a time. And when you, when you take one step at a time, some of the doors close, and some of the doors close, but then reopen like you didn't think they would open. And so the process got to a point where we thought, uh, this is no, no po a point of no return. I mean, we can't, we can't go backwards now. We have to go forward. And, but God was still in all of that. So it becomes the determining factors of, is this God just not ready to show us the next step yet? He just showed us as much as we needed to know. Or is it Satan throwing his fiery darts, his lies, his fears, at us, or is God just saying no? Well, I'm here to tell you, as Lynette had mentioned, we had a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that didn't go away, and I learned that my plans didn't need to be so rigid, that my plans just needed to be flexible with his plans. And, and that gave us the results of, here we have, we have so many neighbors that are just unbelievable, but most don't know the Lord. So he's given us a new ministry. 
He gave us, we did, I didn't go church shopping for 34 years, and now we find ourselves church shopping in an, in a, in an area that we've never been before. He gave us this church that we rejoice in every day to be a part of. The ministries that he's allowed us to be involved with here, um, the resources that you don't have to do it all yourself, uh, has just been phenomenal. So I think that if this is the reward on earth for saying yes to the Lord's leading, imagine what the reward in heaven would be like for living the life that Christ wanted us to live for. Way. Thank you for sharing part of your story with us this morning. My prayer through all of this is that through these stories that we just heard and the ones that God might bring to your mind as we transition into these moments of quiet, that we can remember together, we can trust him, and we can say yes to whatever he's prompting you towards. Yes to a relationship with him, Yes to an interruption, an interception, or an invitation. You can say yes right there in your pew, but our altar is always open. In the Old Testament, the altar is a place where you bring your offerings and your sacrifices. It seems appropriate that for some of us, we might want to come to the altar in these next few minutes to give God our yes. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are here with us, and we are listening. Give us confidence, not in ourselves, but in who you are and what you've already done, so that we can say yes to you in these next quiet moments.